Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. Today we are discussing the 2012 graphic novel, The Now of Brown by Glenn Dillon. First of all, Amir, this is just a gorgeous book. Mm -hmm. Dillon is just an outstanding artist. Mm -hmm. The way he conveys places and faces and people both normal and completely strange is astonishing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much he's working from photo reference or from his own imagination, but his way of conveying faces especially is so compelling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or did you want to go into something else first? Oh, no, 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 we could keep going. Sorry, I was, <laughs> I was just, I'm mesmerized, but this, the art is amazing. It's uh, it's stunning. It's like you get your money's worth. I don't know how much you pay for it. It's actually, it looks like this book was in circulation, pretty large amounts. So you can get it actually for a pretty good deal, pretty cheap. Um, and it's amazing. I mean, the watercolor, I mean, the multiple different styles of artwork, because there's a story within a story which we'll talk about a little bit, but it's amazing. And do you want to talk about the summary or I can? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so the story is about this uh, half French, half Japanese girl living in the UK, or I guess born in the UK. I'm not, I don't remember exactly, but, and she's an illustrator, maybe a comic book artist or even an artist or a designer, which and she's, you know, she loves uh, animation, toys, and things like that. And she works at her friend's store uh, where they sell, you know, anime toys and things like that. Uh, pretty much a perfect girl for me if she was my age, you know, <laughs> late 30s, or early 40s, if anybody knows anybody out there. But, uh, but aside from one thing that she actually suffers from, um, uh, I guess it's some type of uh, obsessive compulsive disorder where she has not fantasies, but visions of like her doing violent acts, like stabbing people or killing people or breaking their necks on, you know, as an act of violence. So she has all these violent thoughts and, you know, she goes to a Japanese meditation core, I guess, a group. She attends it to do meditation around it. And then she has this form of um, exercise where she rates each one of the violent thoughts that come to her mind. And so like from one to 10. So if it's a 10, it means that it's extremely violent and really scary. And so there's that. And then intertwined with it, there's also a, um, a character, I believe it's called Itchy, uh, about a wood nymph or a wood creature, human being hybrid that um, just to kind of follow his story, which is pretty violent in and of itself, kind of like reminds me of potentially trying to do a Watchmen type of thing where there's a story, allegorical story within a story type of thing. So a lot of cool stuff. And then he ends up, uh, she ends up uh, meeting, being fascinated by this toy. And she, by chance, she meets a guy who walks into the store she's working that looks like the toy. So she tries to arrange going on a date with him and then, you know, things ensue. And then she also has a relationship with the owner of the store she works and their best friends in college or stuff like that. 
the man she's fascinated with has his own complex life, uh, now has this kind of intriguing relationship with her mom, kind of dysfunctional, kind of positive, very mm -hmm. mixed relationship. Her uh, guy also has this complicated relationship with his mom, and in fact, now first talks to his mom before she talks mm -hmm. to him. And then he's this deep philosopher. She's tiny. He's a giant. Mm -hmm. So they have this kind of interesting kind of mismatch in size in their relationship. But at the mm -hmm. same time, they seem to hit it off. And then we're going to spoil the ending. And then at the ending, um, he kind of suddenly has a stroke while they're together. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot of interesting kind of allegory there. And then at the very end, we find out kind of his own inner life. Mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot going on here and it's a wonderful book in the relationship that the characters have with each other and the way he portrays now his obsessions are interesting intriguing mm -hmm. uh i'm not sure it all comes together perfectly but as a portrait of this character i thought it was just a fascinating read mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot of subtle things Dylan does with the art too. You notice that now is always wearing red. And I was trying to puzzle out why she's always wearing red. Blood, violence. That's what I thought. So you think it symbolizes her kind of impulse towards violence? Yeah. And I think if you look at it, I believe towards the end, I, well, you know, I guess spoiler, she. At the end of the book, she, while she's taking her boyfriend to the hospital, Gregory. she gets yeah. hit by a car. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I guess the red does. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a lot of red. I'm sure it means something. But yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm puzzling over like why he makes certain choices, like having now put on her pink kimono, and that's when she discovers Gregory had had a stroke. Mm -hmm. Like she's covering up her violence and then doing that. Uh, what does it mean that that she's hiding that? Mm -hmm. And that's when this this action happens to him. I think when the red is not as prevalent, I think it means that she's her violent thoughts are subdued potentially. Mm -hmm. And the more red you see them, like for example, you know, the night that her boyfriend, I guess, is is um, at her place he's wearing red, she's wearing red, and there's like a lot of red around. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end of the book, when, you know, it sounds like she has her life together, there's still red color around, but it's intermixed with like pink and yellow and brown and which is her last name and, you know? So it's just kind of a, like towards the end, you see kind of like a scarf that's red, but you don't, it's not her entire clothing line, you know? Yeah. And then I think, the last page, again, more spoilers, he, she does have a child, a son, which is kind of interesting in that um, the son's wearing red, so he might be crazy. He might have violent thoughts towards it. It's, it's a little kind of like an omen type of thing. Where she, there's a, yeah, there's a deliberate parallel between the first page where we see now in her um, mom's sunglasses looking cute in her little kid outfit, and mm -hmm. the last page where her son has her sunglasses on he's looking cute in his little, little kid outfit now, right. she just has a little stripe of red on her shorts in the first page mm -hmm. he has the whole red jacket on the last page as if um 
yeah, the sins of the mother are going to be visited well, on the son, so to speak. It's a really melodramatic way of saying it. Well, the other thing is uh, there's like a big ominous dark tree in the silhouette background, which is like kind of creepy tree. And that's not like, I mean, you know, you could look at it and say, Amir, why are you reading too much into it? But I think it's part of it is like, because the um, the story within the story is about a tree person who who's pretty violent in the in the story. Like he stabs people, he kills people, and and it's interesting. So, anyways, yeah, and all the symbolism of that picks up on the symbolism of the stuff from her uh, from from the. Uh, Japanese wares shop she works at, all of which the iconography is completely made up and was briefly all online too, which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the imagination Dylan's bringing to those pages is so interesting. I haven't, I, I had trouble kind of putting the two pieces together. Uh, which part? Well, the the uh, the fantasy insets along with the more ordinary story. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the kind of tales of the Black Freighter versus oh, Washington right, right, problem. Right. Yeah. Which uh, we kind of briefly talked about this outside of this recording, but um, Dylan and uh, Self Made Hero, the publisher of this book, actually created a website back in 2012 with a Twitter account when Twitter was all innocent. <laughs> and they even made a video about that character, Itchy or like the story around them. So it, it sounds like, um, um, so for me, it sounds like that that animation or comic or whatever is popular in, um, in Now's world. Mm-hmm. Much like how the Black Freighter was a popular comic book in Watchmen. So we're seeing her inner life conveyed through this story that she loves. But we're also seeing it as like this distortion of the her view of her own world too, mm-hmm. which is this very violent, very kind of uh, kind of Victorian Tolkien-esque. Maybe that's not the right word for it. It's like the inverted Tolkien. It's like the the protagonist is not such a great person in that comic. Which no. I think. So one thing that it really reminded me of was. Um, well, I did a little bit of further reading, and I had not recognized this on my first reading, was that um, the creator of that comic within the comic was half French, half Japanese, because you know how they um, they allude to her as Hafu? So the creator right. is also half. So if you think about, and again, like this is not my idea, it's actually in the comments of the comics journal review of this book someone mentioned that who are the two prominent uh, animation and comics uh, artists in Japan and uh, France and like Mobius and Miyazaki. So the story within here was really reminiscent of Miyazaki's story because it's pretty violent and I've watched some Miyazaki stuff. It was pretty disturbing to me, even though it's great and amazing. And then, um, and you know, half French, half Japanese, and then you also see a deep dedication to Mobius at the end of this book. So I think there's a lot of that in the story, which um, pretty cool. Good which stuff. again is another reflection of now's feeling like 
she's just a little out of place as the hafu, which seems to define her in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I, just, yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I was very hesitant to use hafu. I'm all like, is that a derogatory term? It must not be because they use it in the book and he's not Japanese French. So yeah, if, if, it, if it's a negative term, we're only using it because it's what's used in the book. Yeah. No, I just kind of thought it was interesting. I think it's, what do you make of Gregory as a character? Well, because he's in, uh, now sorry, falls in love with him kind of before they even meet because his iconography, his look is so similar to an, the iconography of her favorite character. Yeah, so I, I actually, I mean, he's an alcoholic. We know that for sure. And part of it is probably because of his past, you know, absent father, sexual abuse at a young age, or I'll be at 19 years old, but like, you know, it was, it's kind of like a cult type of a, we find out later that he joined the monastery type of thing where he was abused by the, by the teacher or, you know, um, kind of like, what is it? Uh, what's the word for it? They, um, anyways, so definite alcohol abuse, alcoholic, um, I think from a now perspective, I don't think at the end of the book, the child is not, is not his, right? It's, um, it's her best friend or like her friend from college. They get, or you don't even know who the father is, right? You don't. And like, I, I was actually trying to, like, I think it feels like it's David, especially because David and her friend from college, because on page 202, she's talking on the phone. And on page 203, he's, he seems to be, on the same call with her. Mm-hmm. Um, also, David's like setting out these dolls that are similar to the character that she's drawing uh, up with her son on page 202. But then I just read a review that said, most critics seem to miss who the father is. And there's a big clue at the top of page 202. And I'm like, what does that mean? What's this person trying to say to me? But I think David is the child or excuse me, David is the father of that child. The looks seem to match so well. I mean, that's the obvious thing, right? Maybe the dialogues that he's a terror of the son, which he feels against his mother. He's a love of the mother for her sons. I don't, because, you know, it could be, I I think it's ambiguous. I don't necessarily think it's, um, I don't think it's Gregory because, I mean, I don't know. I don't think they had sex. It didn't seem like it. Um, and then I don't necessarily think, I think the easiest one is David, right? Because that's, she's talking to him and she's talking about the you know, love of a man. He's a speaker, you know, that kind of thing. But it's, it's ambiguous. It may not be either one of them, actually. Maybe well, that's my question. But who else could it be? There's, the, there's no other character in this book. It's really a three-person book plus now's roommate. I guess my thinking is it doesn't matter. Yeah. At least to the writer, it matters to us, but maybe not to the creator. To go into Lynn. Regardless, I think in terms of bringing a character to life, I can't remember reading another graphic novel where we just see a character's inner and outer life on display so thoroughly mm-hmm. and it, it really feels deeply intimate all her delusions about 
violence and things like that, but also little, little side stories like the story of the the uh, flies infesting a bathroom mm-hmm. is uh, just really kind of fun and not fun, but uh, you know gives us a better sense of who she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not sure Gregory completely comes to life. I'm not sure if he's like this fully three-dimensional character like I want him to be. Uh, yeah. We see until the very end when he kind of reveals himself in his his uh, memoir. Mm-hmm. Because up until then, we see him almost, well, we see him through Now's eyes. Maybe that's why we see this distorted picture of him. We're never actually seeing him as his own person. I think he's constantly idealized until we see him have the, his stroke. Mm-hmm. And part of, I think, why now has her bike accident right after he has a stroke why she freaks out when he's in the hospital runs out of the room jumps on her bike and then has her accident is that she's terrified by the idea that this idealized man who's not even a man as much as the physical manifestation of her dream character mm-hmm. um, isn't actually the person who she imagines him to be Mm-hmm. much more complex this fear of this larger uh, a deeper human relationship with this person mm-hmm. yeah i think it's uh it's interesting i actually think it's it really triggers something and not triggers but bring, uh, brings some my thoughts the idea of like the, the idealized person that you want to meet and the person you actually meet you know and i think mm-hmm. so I'll give a little bit of a personal thing right now. I'm in the process of dating and I think it's interesting for long-term relationships. And I think in the beginning, um, you start to think about having an idealized person. And then once you meet the person, if it's working out, then you start to kind of understand the complexity of human being because it's not just the looks. You know, when people actually say about the looks, it's like, and this is, I mean, she's clearly attracted to his looks, not attracted in the sense of like, he looks like a supermodel but the fact that she identifies him with something that she reveres and so she wants to know more about him and so it's like but it's you got to go beyond it you know there's me and he's an alcoholic he has an interest you know a different kind of a past he has a relationship with his mother that's unconventional necessary it's not conventional necessarily so And then he also has a habit of saying things that are not very appropriate, you know? So um, it's interesting that like the complexity of human being, and you know, as we talk about it, I I feel like this book is all about her and she's the probably the most developed character. Although I do commend Glenn Dillon for at least developing other characters. Cause we know David a little bit, we know Gregory and, we even get a glimpse of all the people who are at the meditation center. Mm-hmm. So, but this is purely about her, you know, everything. Even the other characters are about her. Gregory is about now. Dave, I feel like David, even the little kid is about her, you know, that comes into it. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's kind of orbiting around her. And the book that's literally got her in the title, it starts and ends, well, it starts with her, it doesn't end with her, right? Um, everything is clearly filtered through her eyes. Well, the last page, though, is the child. 
Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, the title does begin and end, but Brown is their last name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. And it's about mothers too. Like, so um, Gregory's mother um, and now taking on her mother's last name, which doesn't sound like a French last name to me. <laughs> you notice when Gregory's mother comes to see him and she's there in the ambulance together, she's in the, in the hospital together rather she like completely cozies up to him almost like she loves him loves him in a deeper way well page 187 where the yeah. mom is is uh like has him completely grasped to mm-hmm. her i guess it's like like a baby to a bosom or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um there's this intimacy to it and he almost has this look on his face of pure fear at the same time like mm-hmm. like what's happening to me mm-hmm. Uh, what do you make of this ending? So as I understand it, Dylan had hand problems and didn't and wasn't able to complete all the drawing he wanted to do in the book. Mm. And I found how I think the book is really compelling up until the point where now kind of runs away and gets in their car accident. She gets hit by the car when she's riding her bike. And I think that part is very interesting, but it feels like the ending, skipping ahead as it does, and then giving us a four-page text dump, mm-hmm. um, just feels a little rushed. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he had hand problems, I can't really blame him. <laughs> um, I think it's funny that you mentioned it puts it into context because we see Nal's hands, and he's got hand problems, and he's you know the, the four pages that are supposedly <laughs> making up for. I, you know, I actually, you know, I didn't think of it as a, I thought the reading was fine. It, it read well, the book, the, you know, the three, the four pages that we read of Gregory's book. Um, I, I mean, I thought it was good. I, what was kind of jarring to me a little bit was, um, or interesting to me, I don't know, not jarring, but interesting that we only got four pages out of like a large book that he wrote. So it's like, oh, we don't know much about him. We only know about what happened after a stroke, and we know about his experience with his um, pursuit of, I guess, enlightenment with the Buddhist center, which ended up actually backfiring and where he went through abuse. Um, the Buddhist center that she finds so much peace and fellowship in, too. Well, was it the same one? Um, well, a, a Buddhist center. I'm not oh, sure if it's oh, the oh, same. Oh my same god, that's, that's a good so point. Cool. That's a good point. But I think it's yeah, it's a, yeah. Basically, I mean, I don't know. If, yeah, so I mean, his experience was not her experience. Um, so I mean, we only got to delve into. Well, we got to, at least the story did, but. Um, well, yeah. let me ask it this way: Do you feel like the story would have been more artful if he had? combine the 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 story the two stories together throughout the book thread the different characters storylines against each other oh you mean like we were like this should have been this like story if, should have if come we had a page here. or two of gregory and then a page or two of now oh yeah and had them maybe have her have him share have dylan share more of gregory's story as now gets to know him better i'll be honest with you i did not like the character of Gregory <laughs> okay not that no I didn't I'm not saying from a um craft perspective I would have 
I like the fact that we got a lot more. I just was more interested in Mao than Gregory. Gregory, you know, like maybe, I don't know, that might just be my own bias, but I just thought she was really cool. Aside from the violent thoughts, I thought she, I just wanted to know more about now. And maybe it's because her character was more, obviously it was more developed. Again, like we talked about, this book is about now. So mm -hmm. I don't really think it would have mattered. I don't, I'm not, actually, I don't mind the, the writing, those four pages. I mean, now that I know with the hand, I especially don't mind it, but um, I thought it was fine to read that book. I thought it was a clever idea to, you know, have her design the page, the washing machine, and then, you know, the circle, you know, that kind of thing, and design the cover, sorry. Um, I thought it was a little bit weird that he called it How Now Brown Cow. It's like, do they have a partnership now? I mean, that's the only thing. It's like, why is he using her title, you know? I don't he had, he had done. He had written his not memoir but this his meditation on the teachings of the buddhist practices right yeah so i guess i i say he had problems with the buddhist teachings but he did end up coming back to them they did find they did make him very happy happy enough to write this book that's apparently pretty successful but how now brown Kelt is a reference to now's name you know now mm -hmm. now brown that's her first name and last name Right, and, then, and it's one of her paintings on the cover. Yeah. I mean, I understand the paintings like, hey, you're my friend. Can you do a design? But why is he using her title, her reference? This book, again, maybe it's going back to like, this book is about now. And so, um, so maybe, um, maybe that's another reference by the author. I think she ends up with Gregory. Oh, you think so? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm just joking. Look at the colors he's wearing throughout the book. It's almost always blue. Oh, okay. But he does wear red at the end. Yeah. He wears red at the end because he's coming closer to her. That's mm -hmm. almost always blue. David is wearing lighter colors. He's wearing like these pastel blue shirt pastel uh gray shirts and stuff mm -hmm. and pink and brown and pink because at the very end the character is blue the ichi is blue mm -hmm. and she's painting with blue paint or she's got oh, blue okay you're right blue paint there no that's that's good yeah i actually you know what it's right he's a son um yeah sons and mothers and we really hear a lot about yeah there's this last few pages were about mothers right and mother yeah 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 and we never know david's mother either we only learn about gregory's mother mm -hmm. and so it, the echoes are there too mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense i also think that they she alludes to the man becomes paralyzed before his face you know so i mean that's that's a direct and there's a washing machine in that page 202 in the background i think that's really important yes why so, is there a washing machine in the living room <laughs> <laughs> right like uh, ends up with her <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's a painting no it's a 
Definitely a panel two. I know. I'm, I'm I know. I'm just yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I almost wonder if the book could have ended at page 201 when she gives that book to the man at the Buddhist yeah. monastery and she writes she calligraphies now N-O-W, unlike her name, N-O-W, N-A-O. Mm. Shows some recognition of how she needs to change. Yeah. I heard a, I saw a review of the same type of thing, but I do like the last page, the creepy last page of the little kid. <laughs> It's it creepy. It reminds me of that movie, The Omen, where like at the end of the movie you see like, you know, the he's such a little rectangle. Yeah, everything's such a straight up and down rectangle. You only get that little straight line for the for the mouth. It's not a smile. Yeah, it is feels spooky, doesn't it? I mean, he's adorable, but that tree in the back is not adorable, and he's he's got no emotion. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be uh, like she is on page nine, riding her, riding his bike through the rain with an umbrella, trying to make his way in the world, thinking 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10? Yeah, snapping, fantasizing about snapping the driver's neck. <laughs> like she does. Yeah. I really enjoyed this book. I am really grateful that it I'm grateful I finally got to it after buying it from all these years and I really appreciate reading it with you it's really good insight uh, and the art is oh my god I wish Glenn I mean I know Glendalyn is uh he does work for movies now much more money much so much much more money but and then the other stuff a lot of his work has been on like you know superhero type of movie, uh, books right like not superhero, but like DC, Vertigo, Marvel. Yeah, he did a few issues of Sandman and just a handful of other things. I mean, his brother is Steve Dillon. Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing about uh, Glenn Dillon, I think he was involved with, um, with Deadline Magazine, with Jamie Hewlett back in the day. And mm-hmm. that's where you probably find his best work, probably, or coolest work, not best. I'm sure he's making a lot more money this. working for Disney these days. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see some more stuff from him, though. I know. It, I was looking him up. Like, he only has maybe three dozen credits altogether on Grand Comics Database. Mm-hmm. But the level of detail and the beauty of this work is just... I mean, I've never seen anything that's quite as beautiful and real as this. And I, I just... Saw, I mean, yeah, sorry. Self-made hero published a lot of kind of social real, not socially realist, but realist sorts of graphic novels over the years. A lot of their other work is uh, not that different. They published some David B. stories, but also they like, um, oh yeah, this Maggie Garrison story by Louis Trondheim and Stefan Ulri is not that different from this. Mm-hmm. Um, Pac- um, yeah, they published a lot of Frederick Peters too. Peter Cooper's Bruins. Oh, oh, you know, it's so funny. It does remind me of the, the tone is Frederick Peters, the somber, weird tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love Frederick Peters. We should read him sometime. Yeah, that'd be cool. Thanks, Amir. This has been really fun. I'm glad we got to read Thanks. this. Thanks, Jason. Oh, thank you.